David Hogg attempts to sell a pillow before he has a pillow to sell. So we'll talk a bit about what's going on with that. In other news, Donald Trump leaves the SAG-AFTRA. Tony Ebers signs a new mask mandate after Wisconsin repeals the mask mandate that they have. And Marjorie Taylor Greene is out of her committee assignments. It's going to be all this and more. I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Contemporary. My name is Jay Edgar. We've got a bunch of stuff to get to today here. It's kind of a mixed bag, too. We're going to start seeing that as we start to see Trump uh, come out of the room here. I forgot to set up the Instagram stream here, so let's get that going as well. But uh, before we get into anything else, before we get started on to anything, and before we really crack into the news, I want to remind everybody first and foremost that we do have the subscribe start up and running ready to go so if you want to throw a couple bucks my way a one-time donation or a monthly subscription to get this news it helps offset some of the cost to what we have going on here also if you are lurking today make sure you get one message in at least because today is the day that we give thanks to those who came and chatted with us here and i've got the names from everybody for the week in the notebook here and i'll take anybody else's name today and of course if your comment is sufficiently stupid today, we will read it live on the air because it will bring up the mental acuity of this show. And before we get into anything here, as I go to the correct scene, head on over to freedomscoop.com. Freedomscoop.com is going to be your one-stop shop for all of your news and commentary needs, where we carry great shows such as The Generational Gap, The Daily Ignoramus, the Breakdown with Birkenhoff, The Freckles and Brit Show, and The R-Rated Conservative. Come on over there, pick up some of our swag, and help us support great creators. And help us build a new website, ready to go, ready to meet your needs, and ready to take down the Daily Wire. Alright, starting off with the Dow Jones today. Looking up at the chart, we have another day that looks like it was up. The S&P probably hit a uh, record yesterday from what I saw on everything. Uh, the Dow was up throughout the entire day. Looks like it stayed steady and then took a nice sharp uh, shot back up. The investors are worrying that this is a bubble, but I mean, they worried it was a bubble all summer here. So hey, maybe that really is that Biden economy uh, kicking in. So we'll see what happens with that. Looking over on to Bitcoin. Bitcoin is currently at $37,923.10. So make sure you get yourself a little bit of Bitcoin. I mean, it's you can't hold it or you can't mold it, so you should have it at all times. That's something that's definitely definitely something you should keep in mind. Make sure that you have it, especially if you can't mold it or hold it. All right, looking back here from IBD. Dow Jones Futures. Hot stock market rally flashes warning. GameStop tries to bounce as Pinterest Peloton snap lead earnings movers. From Ed Carson. Dow Jones futures rose modestly Friday morning, along with S&P 500 futures and NASDAQ futures, awaiting the January jobs report. The stock market rally powered to all-time high levels Wednesday, while short-squeeze plays such as GameStop and AMC Entertainment plunged yet again. Peloton Interactive, Pinterest, Snap, Unity, and Ford Motor headlined after-hours earnings. The stock market rally showed broad signs with NASDAQ Composite and S&P 500 hitting record highs. Growth stocks showed bullish action. However, the market rally is extended once again. 
GME Stop, AAMC, Express, and Cost resumed heavy selling on Thursday after bouncing on Wednesday. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen met with financial regulators about the Reddit short squeeze phenomenon. It's unclear if that drove Thursday's moves. Shares of GME plunged 42% to 53.50. AMC stock tumbled 21%. Express lost 7.9% and cost 26.5%. GME stock is now 89% below its January 28th intraday high of 483. GameStop closed back below its 63.77 pre-squeeze all-time high from December of 2007, back when physical video games and mall-based retailers were hip. GameStop and AMC stock rose modestly overnight, but just a sliver of recent losses. So, yeah, that whole thing is over. It came, it went, and nobody had the courage, and nobody knew what the fuck was going on anyway, so... They started taking their their takes from the news instead of from Reddit, and Reddit decided that it wasn't time to hold the line anymore. So that's going to be the end of GameStop. I might buy the low just for the hell of it. Robinhood has removed all limits on GameStop and other Reddit plays. Well, of course. Of course. They went through there and said, oh, well, no, everybody got out of it now. And, oh, what? Now, now you can go back and sell once again. And I mean on Robin Hoods, I, from what I understand, they didn't have the cash on hand to do the GameStop stock buys that they kept advertising that they could do, and nobody's ever done anything like this on Robin Hood, from what I understand. So I can understand why they did this, but still, you know, set something else up. And Jen the Libertarian, for as much TDS as she has and as much as I blatantly can't stand listening to her, she hit it right on the nose where, I mean, if you've got the kind of money that Robin Hood has... Get a fucking PR firm to deal with that shit because even if I accept the fact that you weren't doing this because the regulators came down and told you that you had to do this, don't just come out and say, oh, well, we shorted this and we, we restricted your access to sell this. Right as it was at its hottest point and right as it would seem like somebody from the top down would be begging us to stop it. Get somebody to say that and lie about it for you at least. Alright, could GME stock and other Reddit short squeeze plays rebound somewhat? Of course, but the vast number of investors holding on to GameStop shares bought at 100, 200, 300, 400 or above, which offers a massive amount of overhead supply ready to sell in an early rally. Even diamond hands can crack when faced with eye-watering losses. Meanwhile, it's unclear what the bull case for GME stock is on a fundamental basis. Shares could easily tumble from current levels. On the earnings... Peloton, Pinterest, Snap, Unity, Bill.com, Monolithic Power, Fortinet, and Ford all beat earnings views late Thursday, which is probably another reason that we saw the rise right at the end. Uh, PINS stock and Bill.com were strong winners in late trade. Ford stock rose modestly. Snap stock, Peloton, and Unity software were notable losers. Fortinet and Monolithic Power were little changed. Fortinet is an IBD long-term leader, while MPWR, Monolithic Power, is on the long-term leader watch list. Fortinet and uh, Monolithic Power are on the IBD 50. On the futures, Dow futures rose 0.4% versus fair value. S&P 500 futures advanced 0.35%. NASDAQ 100 futures were 0.2% above fair value. So, we'll see here. Um, 
Dow Jones futures will likely move on the January jobs report due out at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time, which means that it happened about a half an hour ago. Economists expect the jobs report to show non-farm payrolls gain of 50,000 versus December's decline of 140,000. The jobless rate should hold steady at 6.7%. Remember, overnight action in Dow futures and elsewhere doesn't necessarily translate into actual trading in the next regular stock market session. So we got to the point. It looks like GME is down, and now the stocks are going to go back up again. And they really didn't stick it to the man after all. And I bet you a bunch of these hedge funds made a buttload of fucking money off this too. Alright, from CNBC. S&P 500 jumps 1% to a record high, posts its fourth positive day in a row from Yoon Lee and Thomas Frank. U.S. stocks jumped on Thursday, extending the rally into a fourth straight day as investors assessed a new batch of corporate earnings and solid economic data. The Dow Jones Industrial Average popped 332.26 points, or 1.1%, to a 31.055.86 closing, near its session high. The S&P 500 climbed 1.1% to a record closing of 38.71.74, supported by communication services and financials. The Nasdaq Composite jumped 1.2% to 13.77774, also reaching a new high. A better-than-expected jobless claims report helped boost the sentiment. First-time claims for unemployment insurance totaled 779,000 for the week ended January 30th, below the 830,000 estimate from economists surveyed by Dow Jones. Thursday's labor market data showed further momentum in the economic recovery, driving another blast of risk on moves into equities, Charlie McElligot, uh, equity derivative strategist at Nomura, said in a note. Investor awaited the release of January jobs reports on Friday morning. Economists surveyed by Dow Jones expect the U.S. labor market to add a total of 50,000 jobs. Yeah, we saw that one already. eBay jumped more than 5% after beating both the top and bottom lines and issuing a rosier-than-expected forecast for the first quarter. PayPal gained more than 7% after strong quarterly results, while Qualcomm slipped over 8% after reporting revenues below consensus estimates for its fiscal first quarter. Is eBay still around? I didn't even know people still used eBay. Apple rose 2.6% after CNBC reported that it is close to finalizing a deal with Hyundai Kia to produce driverless cars. So, that's what we're seeing. We saw the driverless cars thing yesterday, too. So, that's what we're seeing up on the markets here. Let's talk about someone who's trying to get himself into the markets. Starting with this tweet. From David Hogg, I need a unionized pillow manufacturer in the U.S. We're having a hard time finding one. If you know one, please DM. I hope that you all go and DM David Hogg. And I hope that none of you go out and DM a picture of your junk. Or your butthole. Because I don't think that would be the right thing to do. And I don't think anybody should do that. That's, that's a horrible thing to do to somebody like that you you definitely shouldn't be doing anything like that especially if he's going to open them up or something like that all right let's see what the hill has to say on what's going on with this from david hogg uh i'm sorry from joseph Choi. david hogg to launch pillow company to compete with my pillow 
gun control activist and survivor of the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School shooting, David Hogg, he wasn't even fucking there, you dumb shits, announced on Thursday that he would be launching his own pillow company to compete with MyPillow. Hogg said that he would be creating the company along with William Legate, a progressive tech entrepreneur, to directly compete with conservative MyPillow uh, CEO Mike Lindell, a staunch pro-Trump supporter who has baselessly spread voter fraud allegations because everything in peace at this point. The pillow fight just got very real, Hogg tweeted on Thursday, alluding to Lindell's forthcoming progressive competition. He added that Legate and I uh, can and will run a better business and make a better product, all with more happy staff than Mike the My Pillow guy, while creating U.S.-based union jobs and helping people. This pillow fight is just getting started. Well, leave it to David Hogg to take all the fun out of a fucking pillow fight. Hogg said that his role in the future company would be advisory so he can concentrate on school. He currently attends Harvard University. So essentially what they're doing is they're putting his name on it so that they can go sell it to, oh, my, my, he was in March for our lives and he's famous. I want to buy his pillow. Yeah. Instead of, you know, building it from the ground up like Mike Lindell did. In another tweet, Hogg said the company would feature union-made products, support progressive causes, and not attempt a white supremacist overthrow of the United States government. The repeated baseless claims of voter fraud spread by former President Trump and his supporters have been blamed for inciting... Yeah, of course they gotta fucking put that one in there because they're sitting over here salivating over David Hogg. Axios reached out to Lindell, who responded, Good for them. Nothing wrong with competition that does not infringe on someone's patent. Lindell's Twitter account was permanently taken down this week after he posted several tweets criticizing Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey and doubling down on his claims of voter fraud. So, a lot of problems with this. A lot of fucking, a lot of problems with this one. So, with David Hogg, and this is... Where do you even begin on something like this? Where where does one begin to talk about something quite as fun as this one here? So as far as David Hogg goes, it says everything now. Now, if you're going to start a business, like when Jake and I started Freedom Scoop, you should already have a product to sell. For us, it was commentary. And we're not taking it in through donation, although I am getting donations now at this point uh, through Subscribestar. You sell, you, you have a product to sell before you get started on anything. And that's the most hilarious part of this. So my question with this, of course, now my pillow is supposed to be a specifically engineered pillow for lumbar support to help make you sleep better, essentially. It's supposed to be I mean, it's mass-produced. It's not made specifically for you, like uh, like your Helix Sleep or something like that. But it's supposed to be specifically engineered with a specific fill in order to, you know, help get your sleep. Now, the fact that Hog is coming out looking for a pillow manufacturer is telling me that they're just going to throw a generic pillow at you and say, buy this because it says David Hogg out. Because David Hogg was the one who made this pillow for you. And once again, they're going to slap his little fucking pencil neck face all over the thing and hope that you buy it because of that instead of actually making a new product. 
just the same generic pillow that you can go and buy in Kohl's. I know what the generic pillow is that you can buy in Kohl's. I sleep on four of them. So he's not offering a new product. But now he's one. And that was the most telling part. Well, please tell, we can't find a union pillow maker. You're not going to sell a union pillow. I'm sorry. Not in this country. Made in the USA, Union Pillow is going to be well beyond the price range of all but the wealthiest of elite who you claim to hate. So I don't know where the hell you think that you're going to be doing this, what you're going to be doing with this, or what you... Basically, they just want to sell David Hogg's face. Is all that they want to do. And hope that some progressive gun control advocates run and go by because it's got David Hogg's Stupid, punchable face on it. Defensively, of course. So, that's what we're seeing here from the start. Alright, let's move on to what's happening in my neck of the woods. From WISN 12 out of Milwaukee. Wisconsin Republicans repeal state's face mask mandate. The Republican-controlled Wisconsin Assembly passed a resolution Thursday that immediately repeals the statewide face mask mandate issued by Democratic Governor Tony Evers. The Assembly originally planned to vote later this month on a version that would have required the Senate to concur. When people want to impose things because only one person believes they have the power to do so, that's where the whole system falls apart. Republican Assembly Speaker Robin Voss said, rather than working with the legislature, Governor Evers has done everything he can to work around us. The Assembly instead voted on a version that ends the mandate immediately. The Senate voted last week to repeal the measure as Republicans who control the legislature continue to defy doctors, nurses, hospitals, schools, chambers of commerce, and chores, uh, scores rather of others who have begged them to keep the mandate in place. You know, all these places that can require you to wear the mask in order to do business with them. Republicans said the issue isn't about masks, it's about whether Evers can legally issue multiple emergency health orders during a pandemic. And that's it right there. You pass this, you don't save a single life. You don't help our health care heroes, Democratic State Rep. Robin Vining said. You just hurt people, you threaten the economy, and people really might die. Republicans argued he can't, stay, uh, he can't and must get uh, their approval every 60 days. Yes, that's absolutely true. Evers contended the changing nature of the pandemic allowed him to issue multiple orders and mask mandates. What the, governor, what the governor is doing, make no mistake about it, is a power grab. He wants all that power to himself, Republican Assembly Majority Leader Rep. Jim Steinecke said. That's not how our system of government works. The Wisconsin Supreme Court uh, could end the legislative back and forth with a ruling that Evers must get lawmakers' approval every 60 days. The court could also say he doesn't need approval which would then force the legislature to repeal every order Evers issues if Republicans disagree with it. Republicans sent a letter to Evers Thursday asking him to define where masks should be worn versus a blanket statewide mandate. And I'm sure that Evers told them to get fucked. They said they would vote on approving that list. And all that happened. And then this happened. From CNN... Wisconsin governor issues new mask mate mandate an hour after legislature repealed the previous one. So he's pretty well going on the Gretchen Whitmer path of, I have all the power now. 
You will do what I say. From Keith Allen and Carolyn Kelly. Democratic Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers issued a new public health emergency Thursday afternoon requiring face coverings in public about an hour after the Republican-led state assembly voted to repeal a previous coronavirus emergency order. Then they included a mask mandate according to a news release from his office. Every step of the way, our statewide strategies to contain the virus and prevent the spread have been met with lawsuits, political rhetoric, and obstruction, Evers said in a video message announcing the new mask mandate. The constant attacks on me have left me weakened and deformed. Yeah, he's pretty much the emperor at this point. The Jedi attack on me have left me weakened and deformed. But with all of this, I will rearrange the Wisconsin legislature into the first Wisconsin Empire. The assembly voted 52 to 42 on Thursday to repeal Evers' previous executive order on the grounds that it was unconstitutional. According to online records from the Wisconsin State Legislature, seven Republicans in the assembly joined all Badger State Democrats in voting against the resolution after the same measure passed through the state Senate last week. Wearing a mask is the most basic thing we can do to keep each other safe, Evers said in a video. If the legislature keeps playing politics and we don't keep wearing masks, we're going to see more preventable deaths and it's going to take even longer to get our state and our economy back on track. You guys are bad, so you don't get to have an economy yet. So, that's what happened up in my state. And, well, fuck it. I know the places that don't enforce it, and I exclusively, almost exclusively, give them my business at this point. All right, I got another, I got a really Twitter-heavy episode this time. So, Ben Sass is in the news because apparently they decided to censure him. Let's hear what had to come off of that. I think that's why Nebraskans just gave our campaign tens of thousands more votes than President Trump got in our state. It's why our campaign just set all-time vote count records in both the primary and general elections despite being primaried last year for not being Trumpy. All-time most votes for any candidate in Nebraska history. And look at Omaha, which he lost by a lot, and we won handily. Why? I think the reason's simple. Nebraskans aren't rage addicts, and that's good news. You are welcome to censure me again, but let's be clear about why this is happening. It's because I still believe, as you used to, that politics isn't about the weird worship of one dude. The party could purge Trump skeptics, but I'd like to convince you that not only is that civic cancer for the nation, it's just terrible for our party. I think. Wow. As far as that, I'm sure that there's more that goes along with that than just the fact that he wasn't a Trumpy dude. But uh, let's see what CNN has to say about this. Sass's message to Nebraska GOP as he faces censure. Politics isn't about the weird worship of one dude from Carolyn Kelly. Senator Ben Sass of Nebraska stood firm against leaders of his state's Republican Party on Thursday after they advanced a censure resolution against him for decrying efforts to overturn the election results and then President Donald Trump's involvement in the U.S. Capitol riot. In a video addressing members of the Nebraska GOP State Central Committee, Sass urged the party to accept critics of the former president and remain true to conservatism as the party's future. 
Let's be clear, the anger in the state party has never been about me violating principle or abandoning conservative policy. I'm one of the most conservative voters in the Senate. The anger's always simply been about me not bending the knee to one guy, Sass said. Sass's comments come as the Republican Party at large grapples with warring factions at odds over whether to continue the party in Trump's likeness or forge a new path veering from the former president's legacy. January 6th is going to leave a scar, Sass said, referencing the date of the violent insurrection at the U.S. Capitol, where rioters encouraged by Trump sought to overturn the results of the election for 220 years. One of the most beautiful things about America has been our peaceful transfer of power. But what Americans saw three weeks ago was ugly, a shameful mob of violence to disrupt a constitutionally mandated meeting of Congress to affirm that peaceful transfer of power. CNN has reached out to the Nebraska GOP for comment. And what a lot of this is going to boil down to, unfortunately, uh, well, fortunately, is going to be what the will of the people is versus what the will of the politicians is. Um, I know Ben Sass says he won Omaha very handily, and Trump lost Omaha very, very handily. I don't know if Sass is just representing Omaha and nothing else. Um, what is the? What do they have? Two districts in Nebraska? So I don't know. Uh, as far as what's going on with this, what's happening, I just, your representation should represent the will of the people, not necessarily whether or not you're the most conservative or least conservative person out there, whether or not you're Trumpy or not. I mean, if, you're, if your population is Trumpy, then you should be because you're representing the will of your people. Now, yes, you're autonomous. And this, it's the same thing that's going along with Liz Cheney in Wyoming. If the people in your district feel that you're not representing their interests, then yes, they have the right to censure you. They have the right to retaliate based on the decisions that you make while you're representing them to the United States government. So this, for the most part, is between the people of Nebraska, of Sass's district, and Ben Sass himself. Uh, as far as censure goes, I think that may be a step too far. But, you know, once again, we get to 2022 and everybody's going to have forgotten about the Capitol right at this point. People are already forgetting about it now. So who is to say something else doesn't come up and we see the needs of that particular district shift at some point. So we'll see what comes back out of that. Um, I mean, I don't know what to think about Sass. He's he was usually very quiet under the Trump era where I was starting to get into politics. I know at the very beginning of it, uh, Sean Hannity, who kneeled down to Trump, whether with his mouth open too, by the way, Sean Hannity, well, I will just kneel down to whatever, whatever Republicans the most powerful at the time was uh, very, very unkind to Sass, calling him Ben Sass the ass. But he was also the one that said Lindsey Gramnesty all the time too. So... For the most part, these, these New York people, they shouldn't be affecting what's happening in South Carolina or Nebraska, but, you know, we've got this national media outlet too. So, once again, this is mostly between the people of Sass's district and Sass. We'll see where this comes off from, but I feel like this is just going to go nowhere. All right, a tweet here from Yashar Ali. Trump has written to SAG after President Gabriel Carteris. Yes, that Gabriel Carteris. I don't know who that is. To preemptively resign from the union. 
SAG-AFTRA represents actors, announcers, journalists, etc. He's now avoided having his membership revoked. This is from the office of the former president. Ms. Carteris, I write to you today regarding the so-called disciplinary committee hearing aimed at revoking my union membership. Who cares, okay? While I'm not familiar with your work, I'm very proud of my work on movies such as Home Alone 2, Zoolander, and Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps, and television shows including The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, okay, that was the greatest, Saturday Night Live, they loved me over there, until I came down the escalator, they loved me over there. And of course, one of the most successful shows in television history, The Apprentice, the greatest, okay, The Apprentice, just to name a few, Arnold Schwarzenegger, okay, he couldn't hold a candle to me. I've also greatly helped the cable news television business, said to be a dying platform with not much time left until I got involved in politics to create thousands of jobs at networks such as MSDNC and Fake News CNN among media. No, and I'm not making that up when making fun of him when I say that. If you look, I mean, those of you watching and not listening, you can see on the screen, I know it's kind of tiny here, but it actually says MSDNC and Fake News CNN. It really does. Which brings me to your blatant attempt at free media attention to describe from your dismal record as a union. Your organization has done little for its members and nothing for me besides collecting dues and promoting dangerous un-American policies and ideas. Okay, they're the worst ideas. Your union is the worst. Okay, as evident by your massive unemployment rates and lawsuits from cele uh, celebrated actors who even recorded a video asking, why isn't the union fighting for me? These, however, are policy failures, okay? And I know about policy favor failures, okay? Let me tell you about everything that I found from Barack Obama from before me, okay? Policy failure, your disciplinary failures are even more egregious. I no longer wish to be associated with your union. As such, this letter is inform to inform you of my immediate resignation from SAG-AFTRA. You have done nothing for me. So, regards, President Donald J. Trump. And of course, everybody was, like all the Q people jumped up and looked at this and said, see, see, he put president at the bottom of there. See, see, it's not over. He's the president again. He, he's still the president. He never turned over power. It, it's going to be the military coup, okay? Which was fun in and of itself. But I mean, this, this is the Trumpiest letter that Trump has ever sent. Right here. You can't fire me, okay? I quit. Yeah, it actually says MSDNC in there too. That's That was the best part. So, let's see what Top Politico has to say about this. You have done nothing for me. Trump did just sag amid disciplinary moves. From Matthew Choi. Former President Donald Trump parted ways with the Screen Actors Guild in a bombastic letter Thursday as he was facing disciplinary measures with the union. The union's board voted on Jan uh, in January rather to refer Trump to the union's disciplinary committee, citing his role in the January 6th Capitol insurrection that is, by the way, the world's worst insurrection, where most of the people who were insurrecting took selfies with each other and didn't really do anything. 
that left at least six people dead in a reckless campaign of misinformation aimed at discrediting and ultimately threatening the safety of journalists, many of whom are SAG-AFTRA members, according to a January 19th news release. If found guilty by the disciplinary committee, penalties could include censure, fines, and expulsion. But Trump dropped out of the union before it could consider any of those moves. His Thursday letter, with Trump's signature, tone, and exclamation points, derided the union's president, Gabrielle Carteris, as having done nothing for me besides collecting dues and promoting dangerous, un-American policies and ideas. He also praised himself. Yeah, he does that a lot. That's, uh, that's one of the things that President Trump does, is he praises himself. Claiming he greatly helped the cable TV business and celebrating small cameo roles he's played in various movies. Who cares, Trump wrote of the disciplinary committee. While I'm not familiar with the work, I'm very proud of my work. And we read that list already. Trump attacked the disciplinary moves as a blatant attempt at free media attention to distract from your dismal record as a union. Yeah, and once again, that's pretty much, you can't fire me, okay, I quit. I, maybe I'll buy the union, I don't know. Maybe I'll just continue to nail my supermodel wife in Mar-a-Lago. I've got the greatest golf courses, okay? Ah, good times. From Insider, the venerable representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, D-Twitch calls GOP rep Nancy Mace cynical and disgusting for accusing her of lying about the Capitol insurrection. World worst insurrection. From Grace Panetta. GOP representative Nancy Mace got into a heated back and forth with Democratic representative Venerable Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez D. Twitch on Twitter after on Thursday, after Mace accused Ocasio-Cortez of exaggerating the level of danger she felt during the January 6th Capitol insurrection. Mace and others on the right have accused Ocasio-Cortez, without evidence, of falsifying and exaggerating her experience. Because, once again, this is an op-ed. Why, why would we report news? This is nothing but an op-ed. I mean, yes, I'm doing an opinion show right now, but I'm open about the fact that I'm doing an opinion show People like Insider are like, no, no, we are completely baseless. We're, we're, we're just journalists. We have no bias or anything. Mace, whose office is two doors down from Ocasio-Cortez's, told Fox News that no insurrection has stormed our hallways to undercut Ocasio-Cortez's story. Notably, as CNN's Daniel Dale pointed out, Ocasio-Cortez never said she definitively saw insurrectionists in the hallway or in her office, but did recount having her office door banged on and having a frightening experience with a Capitol Police officer on an Instagram Live Monday night. Well, yes, of course. I mean, he looked at her while white, and he was stern while white. So, of course, he is the evil. The most evil person there is. Uh, this is an extended tweet here. Ocasio-Cortez pointed out that shortly after the insurrection itself, Mace was one of the most vocal GOP voices condemning the violence and recounting her own intense fear of the insurrectionists. Mace said that after being sworn in on January 3rd, she sent her two children back to South Carolina because she was afraid of potential violence. She also said that, like Ocasio-Cortez, she barricaded herself in her office as the Capitol was breached. 
Critics of Ocasio-Cortez, including Mace and some Fox News hosts and guests, have pushed the hashtags AOC lied and AOC Smollett, comparing her to the disgraced actor Jesse Smollett, who was accused of staging a racist attack on himself in Chicago in January of 2019. Mace responded, fact check. We have not once discounted your fear. We were all terrified that day. I'm stating the fact that insurrectionists were never in our hallway because they weren't. Ideal in facts, unlike you, apparently. In her Instagram live stream on Monday, Ocasio-Cortez recalled her experience of hiding in the bathroom of her office during her uh, the insurrection as she heard loud bangs on her office door and a voice shouting, Where is she? The person eventually identified himself to be a Capitol Police officer, but failed to do so while he was banging on and shouting outside her door, Ocasio-Cortez said. It didn't feel right to me, okay? Because he was looking at me with a tremendous amount of anger and hostility, okay? I puppy! In a separate Twitter thread, Ocasio-Cortez said it was wild to see Mace discrediting herself less than a month in office with such dishonest attacks and accused Mace of downplaying the trauma of all survivors of violent attacks. So this, at this point, is nothing but an extended catfight and another way to keep the world's worst insurrection in the news because, you know, with the impeachment coming up, with the GameStop thing coming up, it was starting to fall out of the news. And they've got a narrative of fear to push because they want to push HR 127 at some point. So they got to keep this up in the news because you still have to be afraid of all Trumpism and everybody else who possibly thought about maybe once voting for Trump because every one of them who got that far is completely evil. All right, from CNN. Trump quickly rejects impeachment manager's request for testimony at impeachment trial. From Jeremy Herb and Manu Raju. The House impeachment managers on Thursday requested Donald Trump testify at his upcoming Senate impeachment trial in a dramatic move to try and get the former president on the record about his conduct surrounding the January 6th riots in the Capitol. But Trump's legal team quickly responded by rejecting the invitation in a terse response to House impeachment team putting the decision back on Democrats over whether to try to compel Trump's testimony with a subpoena. Lead impeachment manager, Representative Jamie Raskin, sent a letter to Trump's attorney Thursday requesting that Trump testify before or during the upcoming impeachment trial, which begins on Tuesday arguing that his testimony was needed after he disputed the House's allegations that he incited the insurrection at the Capitol. Two days ago, you filed an answer in which you denied many factual allegations set forth in the article of impeachment, Raskin said, a Maryland Democrat, you have thus attempted to put critical facts at issue, notwithstanding the clear and overwhelming evidence of your constitutional offense. In light of your disputing these factual allegations, there's no such thing as a factual allegation. An allegation has yet to be proven, therefore it's not fact. There's This is fucking newspeak on everything. There is no such thing as a factual allegation. If there was a factual allegation, you wouldn't need to have a trial. And you still have the right to be tried by a jury of your peers. There is no such thing. You have an allegation or a fact. Once you have proven in a court of law in front of a jury of one's peers, the allegation, it becomes a fact. 
I write to invite you to provide testimony under oath, either before or during the Senate impeachment trial, concerning your conduct on January 6th of 2021. Trump's lawyers quickly responded to Raskin's request on Thursday, writing back in a three-paragraph letter saying the request was a sign the House could not prove its allegations against Trump. The use of our Constitution to bring a purported impeachment proceeding is much too serious to try and play these games, wrote Trump's attorneys Bruce Castor and David Shane. Trump advisor Jason Miller confirmed that Trump was rejecting the request, telling CNN the president will not testify in an unconstitutional proceeding. Senior aides talked Trump out of going to the House floor to defend himself ahead of his second impeachment trial. Oh yeah, I'm sure that he was well ready to go there too. I mean, for all of the good that he did with the economy and for all the good that he did in the Middle East, nothing in the last four years has changed the fact that this man is Donald John fucking Trump, which means that he wanted to get down there on the floor with every camera pointed at him and say, I am the greatest president. You can't impeach me, okay? You can't, you can't remove me from office because I'm already out of office, okay? This is the world's worst. You guys suck, okay? I, I'm going to go. I'm going to make a new social media account. I'm going to make a new social media so I can go on there and tell everyone how to. For all the good that he did, policy-wise, that man is his worst enemy, his own worst enemy, as far as legal proceedings go. And I'm sure the lawyers, because I'm sure he got the letter and said, okay, I'm going down there. I'm going to tell these people what's up, okay? And all the lawyers came up and said, no, no, you sit down and shut up. Otherwise, they're going to find a way to put your ass in prison. You don't say a word. But, you know, of course, once again, once all the cameras are on the guy, that's what he loves to be. The swift rejection of the request for testimony raises the uh, question whether Democrats will try to subpoena Trump to testify for the trial. The House's letter did not mention a subpoena. Raskin instead suggested the impeachment managers would use his refusal against him, writing, We reserve any and all rights, including the right to establish a trial, that your refusal to testify supports a strong adverse inference regarding your actions. You know, never mind the fact that you actually have a right against self-incrimination in the Constitution. And even if you want to bring forward the idea that that would possibly be suspended for a public figure or uh, someone holding public office. He's a private citizen now. So go ahead and do your worst. All right, and we will see what happens with that. We'll be watching that one all next week for sure. I want to see, I'm very curious. I don't know if we should put a poll up in Twitter or something in the Discord just to see how long they think this will actually get fucking stretched out. Because this sells more and more commercials for CNN. But we'll see. I've, I've got a feeling this is going to go for a good six months. All right. I have uh, got one here from NPR. House removes Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene from her committee assignments. This is from Barbara Sprunt. And Barbara Sprunt needs money, too, so remember, your tax dollars are not enough. And NPR needs support from viewers like you. Please, send them just just a couple of thousand dollars every month because they need it. They need it more than you do. And they will tell you that right on their website. All right, let's see what's going on with this one here. 
House of Representatives has voted to strip Republican Marjorie Taylor Greene of her committee assignments, following uproar over her past incendiary comments and apparent support of violence against Democrats. Thursday's vote was 230 to 199, with 11 Republicans joining with all Democrats to back the resolution. The vote comes a day after the House Rules Committee advanced a resolution put forth by Debbie Wasserman Schultz, D. Florida, to remove Green from her assignments on the Budget Panel and Education and Labor Committee. The Georgia freshman has come under fire in recent weeks for her history of trafficking in racism, anti-Semitism, <coughs> Ilhan <coughs> Omar, <coughs> excuse me, and baseless conspiracy theories along with her support for online comments, encouraging violence against Democrat officials prior to taking office. Green spoke on the House floor ahead of the vote and said, her past comments do not represent me. Calling herself a very regular American, Green said she stumbled across the far-right QAnon conspiracy theory at the end of 2017 but stopped believing in it a year later when she started finding misinformation. But Green has continued to spread false QAnon fueled theories since then, telling a local news reporter in July of 2020 that she was concerned about a deep state. Well, you don't have to believe in QAnon to realize that there are people like Anthony Fauci in the government who have been there for much longer than any president and quite a few of the representatives and senators as well that are still shaping the way that each individual administration runs. I don't know if I'd call it a state, but it's definitely entrenched pretty fucking deeply. I was allowed to believe things that weren't true, she said on the House floor Thursday. I would ask questions about them and talk about them, and that is absolutely what I regret. Green went on to say, If it weren't for the Facebook post and comments that I liked in 2018, I wouldn't be standing here today and you couldn't point a finger at me and accuse me of anything wrong. She then went through the litany of retractions and past statements saying school shootings were absolutely real and the September 11th terrorist attacks absolutely happened. She recounted, I remember 9-11 crying all day long watching it on the news. It's a tragedy for anyone to say that it didn't happen. But back in 2018, Green promoted September 11th conspiracy theories while speaking to the American Priority Conference. We had witnessed 9-11, the terrorist attack in New York, and the plane that crashed in Pennsylvania, and the so-called plane that crashed into the Pentagon, she said at the time. It's odd that there's never any evidence shown for the plane in the Pentagon, but anyways, I won't. I'm not going to dive into the 9-11 conspiracy. And once again, I said, I mean, this woman is fucking nuts. This woman is crazy. But using what she said before she was a representative, I mean, this goes back to... I mean, I'll come back right out and say that it, I said it was wrong at the time for Green to come out and file the article of impeachment that ultimately went nowhere against Joe Biden because he hadn't done anything in office yet. He hadn't been in office yet. I mean, yes, he had the 47 years before him, but at the time with him coming into the presidency, he hadn't had the time to commit a crime while he was in office. And you should not be digging up somebody's past to try and do an official procedure that has to do with your conduct while you are in office. And it's kind of ironic that they're doing the same thing now. They're using what's in Marjorie Taylor Greene's past to affect what she does while she's in office. But for the most part, and 
honestly, I really hope that the voters of the other districts of Georgia punish you too up to this point. But yes, you're coming out here at this point. What Marjorie Taylor Greene did to get elected is between her and the people of her district in Georgia. Now, once she's on the floor, if she keeps peddling QAnon this and all of that, all the other bullshit, then yes, that that gets to a point where House leadership does need to step in and start to do something. But as far as what happened in 2018, and even in July of 2020, before Election Day, that's between her and the voters of Georgia, not between her and the House of Representatives. So I'm going to call this one a blatant naked power grab, but of course also this keeps Marjorie Taylor Greene in the news, and the mainstream media can come back and say that all Trump supporters, all Republicans in Congress, all Republicans in the Senate, and all Republicans across the country are Marjorie Taylor Greene. So, we will see what happens there. I got a couple tweets back uh, back from this. Uh, that is the vote from this. House Resolution 91 passed, and Marjorie Taylor Greene has been removed from the Education and Budget Committees. And Steny Hoyer had a video of this to go along with it. Mr. Speaker, I urge my colleagues to look at this image. Oh, oh, we've never seen this before, even though we planned this. motherhood today. Two of those women, between them have six children. They're mothers. One of them does not have children. And she's come to this body asking for more housing for people, for more health care for people, for more income for people. How awful. And they're not the squad. They're Elon. They're Alexandria. And they're Rashida. They are people. They are our colleagues. And yes, you may have disagreements. But I don't know anybody including Steve King, who you precluded from going on committees for much less. And this is an AR-15 in the hands of Ms. Green. This was on Facebook just a few months ago. That is a message of peace and reconciliation and peaceful democratic dialogue. The squad's worst enemy, AR-15, in hand. Sounds like the guns I fly. I have never, ever seen that. All right, that's grandstanding there. Once again, this is between Marjorie Taylor Greene 
and the people of Georgia. Now, if she brings the AR-15 into the Capitol building or into her office, then yes, it's time to have a conversation with her. But what happened before she was sworn in to Congress is not your concern. And quite frankly, once again, this is nothing but a blatant attempt to try tie anybody who is not a full-on progressive. They're all Marjorie Taylor Greene, according to them. All right, let's keep going. Speaking of what happens on the House floor, Nadler, decide, um, Nadler denies Gates's request to start committee meetings with the Pledge of Allegiance. This is from the New York Post from Kenneth Garger. A request by Representative Matt Gates on Thursday to begin each House Judiciary Committee with the Pledge of Allegiance was shot down by Chairman Gerald Nadler. Nadler, in his rejection, pointed out that the House already recites the pledge at the beginning of each day in session. I just think it would be nice if, in the spirit of national unity and national pride, that at the beginning of each meeting, the chair or one of the designees of the chair would have the opportunity to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance, said Gates, who posted the exchange on Twitter. Yep, not a fan. Not a fan. I would uh, much rather pledge allegiance to the Constitution. Special, or let me rephrase that. I would much rather compel senators and representatives to pledge allegiance to the Constitution than the flag. Because the magic sky cloth doesn't really do jack shit for you. It just says, okay, well, this is America. This is the United States. So no. Not a fan. Not a fan. But, I mean, Gates is going to come out and do his thing and be Mr. Super Patriot to do so because you're not patriotic unless you want to go out and Put your hand over your heart and pledge allegiance to the magic sky cloth, but yet still trample all over the Constitution that it's supposed to represent. That's all that I have for that one. Here's one from CNN Business. Voting technology company Smartmatic files $2.7 billion lawsuit against Fox News, Rudy Giuliani, and Sidney Powell over disinformation campaign. Well... You might have something against Sydney and Rudy. Fox, you're going to run afoul of the First Amendment, and they're going to cite the freedom of the press on that one. A voting technology company swept up in baseless conspiracy theories about the 2020 election filed a monster $2.7 billion lawsuit on Thursday against Fox News, some of the network star, hosts, and pro-Trump attorneys. Giuliani and Sidney Powell alleging the parties worked in concert to wage a disinformation campaign that has jeopardized its very survival. Oh, bullshit. You are still going to be used in every major progressive stronghold in three quarters of the districts around this country anyway, because they don't like change. And in order to change, they would have to raise their budgets, change the way they do things, and put everything through a vote through it. You're... You, your, your survival has not been fucking jeopardized. Fuck you. We have no choice, Antonio Mujica, the chief executive and founder of Smartmatic, told CNN Business in an interview about the company's decision to file the lawsuit. The disinformation campaign that was launched against us is an obliterating force. For us, this is ex uh, existential and we have to take action. I noticed you were mysteriously silent about this back in 2018 when progressives were saying the same thing. 
Or even back in 2016 when Bernie got the shaft the first fucking time. I noticed you were mysteriously silent about that. We didn't see lawsuits about that. Now, of course, we've got the Trump bump and, you know, the Giuliani bump and the two of them sucking all the fucking air out of the room. But still, this was a well-known campaign to get Smartmatic out of everything when it looked like it was going to turn against progressives. But nobody said a fucking word back then. Now, all of a sudden, let's go start to see what kind of money we can get out of all these fucking people. The lawsuit filed in New York State Court accused Fox, Giuliani, Powell, and hosts Lou Dobbs, Maria Bartiromo, and Janine Pirro of attention to lying about Smartmatic in an effort to mislead the public into false beliefs that the 2020 presidential election was stolen from former President Donald Trump. They need a villain, the lawsuit said. They needed someone to blame. They needed someone whom they could get others to hate. A story of good versus evil? The type that would incite an angry mob. Only works if the storyteller provides the audience with someone who personifies evil. You know, like every piece of regularly scheduled program on MSNBC. Without any true villain, uh, villain rather, defendants invented one, the lawsuit added. Defendants decided to make Smartmatic the villain of their story. Like every single piece of mainstream programming on MSNBC when it comes to somebody who is both evil and orange. In a statement on behalf of the network, the named host issued after the lawsuit was filed, the uh, Fox News spokesperson said Fox News Media is committed to providing the full context of every story with in-depth reporting and clear opinion. We are proud of our 2020 election coverage and will vigorously defend this meritless lawsuit in court. As for comment, Paula said in a statement, I have not received a copy of this alleged lawsuit. However, your characterization of the claim shows that this is just another political maneuver motivated by the radical left that has no basis or fact in law. I bet she's going to release the Kraken all over it, too. In a statement of his own, Giuliani said, The Smartmatic lawsuit prevents, presents another golden opportunity for discovery. I look forward to litigating with him. Yeah, that's probably not going to turn out well for you, Rudy. Probably not. Just saying. But there's the lawsuit coming up there because we've got to We've got to take every second of this story and make sure that it goes back to the mainstream networks because otherwise we might have to pay attention to Biden and Harris. From the Daily Wire. Bank of America is without the knowledge of uh, or the consent of customers sharing private info with feds, Tucker Carlson reports. From Ryan Saavedra. Fox News host Tucker Carlson reported exclusively on Thursday night that it, Bank of America is allegedly turning over private information about its customers to federal law enforcement officials without the knowledge or consent of its customers in an apparent effort to identify those who participated in the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol building. Carlson led off the segment by talking about how the Biden administration and law enforcement has stated that they want to go after domestic extremists, but have not laid out a clear definition of what qualifies as an extremist. What exactly are they doing? Carlson asked. How are they hurting these extremists by telling, or they keep telling us about, but will not describe? We know part of the answer to that question, Carlson said. This show has obtained exclusively that Bank of America, the second largest bank in the country with more than 60 million customers, is actively but secretly engaged in the hunt for extremists in cooperation with the government. Bank of America is, 
without knowledge or the consent of its customers, sharing private information with federal law enforcement agencies. Carlson continued, Bank of America is effectively asking, acting as an intelligence agency, but they're not telling you about it. In the days after the January 6th riot at the Capitol, Bank of America went through its own customers' financial and transaction records. These were private records of Americans who had committed no crime, people who, as far as we know, had absolutely nothing to do with what happened at the Capitol on January 6th. So, and I'm not going to continue to do this in Tucker's voice, but I have read through this, and essentially what they're doing with this is they're going through, uh, by request of the federal government, um, as far as how that works with the subpoena and with the Fourth Amendment, the right against unlawful search and seizure. I'm not sure. I feel like this is completely shady here. But what they're doing right now is they're looking at who used their Bank of America debit and credit card or wrote a check or anything else for various things around the Washington, D.C. area on January 6th to try and limit the scope of the facial recognition that they have to use for everything off of this here. So this is draconian. This is Orwellian. But, yeah. I'd be getting out of Bank of America if I was you. I actually had an identity theft uh, go through Bank of America, and I'm still in contention with them at this point. This That was 13 years ago, and I'm still in contention with them. And it's a small amount. It's, like, just a little bit over a grand at this point. But still, I mean, the fact that I have identity theft and I'm on the hook for them now for that kind of money, and they won't. Like, this has been to court and back a couple times, and... They won't even hear the evidence that comes back against it. But you know what? I wouldn't put my money into Bank of America for any reason whatsoever. All right, from Axios. White House convening NSC to talk Iran from Hans Nichols and Barak Ravid. In a sign of the urgency President Biden feels about Iran, the White House is convening a National Security Council. Principals Committee meeting on Friday focused on the country's nuclear program. P uh, people familiar with the matter tell Axios why it matters. The Biden administration is still refining its strategy about how to resurrect the 2015 deal that President Trump backed out of in 2018, but it wants to work with allies to slow Iran's effort to enrich uranium and prevent arms races in the Middle East. Principals Committee meetings held in the Situation Room and attended by the Secretaries of Defense and State and other key national security players are designed to discuss policy at the highest level before presenting recommendations to the President. They are preceded by a meeting of the deputies from all the national security agencies on Wednesday. Deputy National Security Advisor John Feiner led one such session focused on the Middle East. One of the main action items Friday is whether to push towards returning to the nuclear deal before the June presidential election in Iran or wait until after, a source familiar with the issue said. The State and Defense Departments declined to comment, and NSC spokesperson did not respond to a request for comment. And this comes right after we saw some saber-rattling going on here, so um, it's too early right now, and there's not enough information to say that, yes, we are definitely going to war, but it's definitely enough information right now to come back and say, hey, let's uh, let's pay attention, let's, let's make sure that if they are going to try and put us back into war. We hold them accountable for it because it looks like they're getting ready to at least ramp up some tensions. 
This also going on with the fact that we don't know what's going on with Myanmar and Burma at this point either. So we'll see what happens there. All right, I got just a few more here. Then we'll read the names of everybody who chatted in the live chat throughout the week. So if you're just lurking right now, get that last minute message in there. Or have a couple friends come in so I can read their names too. Uh, Chief of Staff, White House hopes to revive Trump plan to mail masks to all Americans. Don't mail me a mask. From Donald Judd and Carolyn Kelly. The Biden administration is hoping to resurrect a proposal from the Trump administration to mail face masks to every American in an attempt to stop the spread of COVID-19, the White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain said on Thursday. This was an idea that really came up last year in the Trump administration. The public health agencies recommended it. President Trump vetoed it for some reason, Klain told NBC's Lester Holt. We want to get back or get this back on track. I hope in the next few days or next week we may be able to announce some progress on this. The U.S. Postal Service had planned to distribute 650 million face coverings for the Trump administration last April, according to internal documents reviewed by CNN in September. A senior administration official told the Washington Post at the time that plan was scrapped by the White House as some advisors were worried it could create concern or panic. I really wish I would have grabbed the tweet by Elaine from this and put it up on the screen for you guys because she pointed, uh, pointed out an interesting Something interesting to note when you're dealing with the government on any level for any reason whatsoever. And that is, and I'll paraphrase it, a pack of 10 disposable masks at Walmart is 99 cents. A two pack of cloth reusable masks at Target is like $2.99. One mask coming from the government is probably going to be $68.47. Your tax dollars at work, and that's your no bid contracts at work, too. All right, from the Daily Wire, Romney proposes $350 monthly payments to families with kids under six. <laughs> Spend more money and have no idea where the rest of it's coming in. Is that dude wearing double masks in the background, too? What the fuck? Senator Mitt Romney has proposed consolidating federal family benefits policies with a single benefit that delivers monthly payments made to families with children under the age of 17. The legislation, dubbed the Family Security Act, would provide $350 per month to uh, families with a child under the age of 6, $250 per month to families with a child under the age of 17. In total, a family could receive up to $4,200 per child under the age of 6 and $3,000 per child older than 6 but younger than 17 every year. Where does the money come from? If you had any doubt that Mitt Romney was a Democrat, at the very least, but a progressive most likely at this point, this UBI that he's putting out for families with children, that'll seal the deal. Take less taxes! Don't hand them cash, you asshole! And cut the fucking spending while you're at it, too. American families are facing, uh, facing greater financial strain, worsened by the COVID-19 pandemic, and marriage and birth rates are an all-time low, said Romney in a statement, calling it calling his uh, existing policies outdated. Now is the time to renew our commitment to families and help them to meet the challenges they face as they take on the most important work any of us will ever do, raising our society's children. 
This proposal offers a path towards greater security for America's families by consolidating the main, many complicated programs to create a monthly cash benefit for them without adding to the deficit. You're going to give out $3,000 per child. I'm sorry, I'm going to need an explanation on how that doesn't add to the deficit. I'm going to need some hard numbers on that one. And the only thing I can think of is this is, it's coming from the government, so it's going to be taxable. Uh, this is what I deal with every day. This is what I deal with. I look at something like this and I say, why? Why? Why did I choose to read so many stupid things? Why are people being so stupid? It makes my fucking head hurt. And then I get on here with a smile on my face and even a little bit of flush in my face when I talk about AOC. And I do this for you every day. Let's keep going. From Politico. Where's Hunter? Writing a tell-all. From Natasha Korecki and the uh, Theodoric Meyer. When Biden first launched his presidential bid, inquiries about his son Hunter were so taboo, they were met with a full fury of the campaign. Ask the right questions, Biden snapped at a reporter early in the campaign, who asked about Hunter's business interests in Ukraine. Now it's the president's son who's revealing his own story and along the way opening himself up for more scrutiny, just as his father's presidency is taking hold. Now he's going out, he's going to stroke his fucking cock while he's taking money from people in a book that's full of lies. Don't care, but I figure you guys might. And the last one here I actually stole from Elaine's Twitter because this was just too funny not to share. This is your tax dollars at work, especially if you're in Arizona right now. U of A researchers start Bug Fight Club to study weapon evolution. Battling bugs and body armor isn't the plot for a new television series, but the reality at the University of Arizona, I mean, I'm sure you could sell some commercials if you did put it on TV. Some Tucson brawling beetles are helping to solve the mysteries about weapons in the animal kingdom. We all know the first rule of Fight Club, but in this bug fight club, there's a lot of talking going on. In new research published, University of Arizona, researchers collected 300 insects from the Tucson desert, outfitted them with leather body armor, and staged one-on-one -on -one fights. When they fight, they have these spines or spikes on their legs, and what they'll do is they'll use those spines to injure their rivals when they're fighting, said Zach Emberts, a postdoctoral fellow. So what's the point of this? The researchers say it was to find out why weapons differ among species and to test how different weapons relate to how much damage is caused. If two humans were fighting, it makes sense injury would be an important factor in who wins and who loses the fight, said Emberts. So you could look across species and see that different weapon shapes cause different amounts of damage, says Professor John J. Wiens. But some have questioned whether the practice is humane. Embert said, yes, they're bringing a naturally occurring behavior into the lab. Putting this fake leather armor on insects, the males can't get injured during these fights. So this was a way we came up with to stop the damage from occurring, said Imberts. The finding of the study shows damage 
is indeed important to who wins the fights. Though that seems like common sense, Embert said, it had not been experimentally shown before. It's your tax dollars at work right there. That's what the government's choosing to spend its money on. Just saying. All right, and uh, that's going to be it for the day here. And the last thing we do on a Friday is read at least the names in the live chat. But of course, as I mentioned before, if your comment is sufficiently stupid, it will raise the intellectual level of this program. So if it's sufficiently stupid, it might get read on air because we might, uh, we might need to raise the intellectual level of this program here. But going back through the week before we get into that, we had Monday, we had Ron Helton, Chilaka1984, who is our newest subscribe, star, uh, subscriber. So thank you to that. Silent Caster was here. Wyatt from the Breakdown with Birkenhoff showed up, and Flancorp, our res uh, resident progressive, was here as well. On Tuesday, we had Chilaka1984, Ron Helton, Silent Caster, Quest Fanning, Mr. Behavior popped in for just a second. We had Mad Cow Mark. On Wednesday, we had Rye87 was in here. Looks like he was uh, in disagreement with uh, some of the slave things that we were talking about. And he disagreed with me about Irish slaves, which, okay, whatever. Uh, we also had Chilaka, Ron Hilton, uh, Robert VX, who was asking me about a lot of, uh, let's just say, underground organizations. Uh, Elephant Man rounded out our Wednesday. On Thursday, we had Ron Helton, MK Ultra was here, Elephant Man was here, Chilaga 1984, Harvey McLeod popped in, freshly landed at her new home at an undisclosed location in the great state of Texas. Uh, Quest Fanning was here, Trump 2024 is best, asked me to watch a video on air of Biden saying the N-word on a stream that goes to YouTube, where hearing the N-word would probably get me bumped off the stream. Not to mention, I'm, just, I'm not just going to go play a video that I haven't vetted on the air. I'm sorry. It could be two dudes sucking each other off, for all I know. Which will also get me bumped off of YouTube. Uh, Mad Cow Mark was here, and Rye87 popped in one more time for this. All right, let's see what's going on here. Looks like we had a little bit of a slow week this week, but... You know, once the impeachment thing ramps up, then we'll start to see something going from there. We have Chilaga 1984. David Hogg thinks he's better than you, and he's white. Fair point. Uh, Ron Helton is over on the YouTube side, unusually. I wonder if we're having DLive issues. Um, and then he's also on the DLive side as well with the sticker party. Chilaga says, yells Wisconsin at the end of the 70s show info. The massacre is awesome. Well, and then Evers went down and turned around and fucked it all back up again. It's a shame Walker didn't win. Ebert sucks. Yeah, he does. MSDNC. Harvey McLeod is here. Gotta love his ability to troll. Flancorp is here, our resident progressive. Your face gets so flushed every time you talk about AOC. Well, she is my future wife after all. Everyone is comparing AOC to Jesse. I think it's more similar to David Hogg's story. Yeah, I, I could see that. I have to wonder if she actually ran home, ran back to her posh, upscale apartment in D.C. to go get a camera to go say she played the victim. Give AOC the... Give AOC the hog. I'm trying to fit in on Twitch. 
Not on DLive any... Well, I wonder what's going on with DLive then. Fuck them. Maybe I got kicked off for saying fuck them too many times. A DLive stream went down early on. Oh, I didn't know. All right, I'll figure that out. Trovo's erratic today as well. Yeah, I haven't seen anybody over on Trovo this week. I have it up. But, you see, the chat is empty. Uh, I've got trees grow on earth. Bro, watch this one-minute cartoon. It's hilarious. I'm not going to watch that with, uh, without betting it. Uh, how are you libertarian and pro-Israel? I can be pro-Israel without the government being involved in Israel. They have a right to their own place, too. I'm not libertarian either, but that's another story for another time. Ron Helton has it right there. I'm pro, leave me the hell alone. Quest Fanning is here. Presidents have the entire firepower of the military in their hands. Shut up, old man. I don't know which story he was talking about on that one, but okay. They do, you're correct. Happy Friday. The media had multiple stories in the past over these corrupt machines. Yeah, exactly. They're suing to make trouble. Orange man bad. My Tucker impression. And I don't watch Tucker. Except for a couple clips that he does here and there. But still. What, what is it with neocon conservative commentators and annoying voices? Because, I mean, we've got Hannity, who's... I actually took as a good news source for a while. I sit back and regret that now. But we have Hannity, whose voice is the only Northeastern accent that doesn't... Or that I don't like. Sean Hannity's voice makes me want to shove a knife in my fucking ear. We've got Rush. Who, say what you will about his commentary, that voice is irritating. That voice just makes your skin crawl. I mean, he's been on right on the money on a little bit of his commentary. He's been wrong on a lot of his commentary. But that voice, that, that voice makes your skin want to crawl. And Tucker. Tucker and his irritating voice, too. How, how do people like that get jobs in conservative media? I'm not saying that I've got the voice of an Adonis here or a great radio voice, but I don't I don't get it with those guys. Uh, let's see. Quest said, I decided not to do business with Bank of America when they fired 35,000 Americans 12 or 13 years ago. I've, I missed that story, apparently. And I that was probably about the time that I had an account with them and the uh, the identity theft happened, too. So I don't know what happened there. Uh, smash the state, too corrupt, can't fix it. Bronx bimbo. At the Bug Fight Club, we always talk about Bug Fight Club. I was on Trovo earlier, but the stream was erratic and we still have no connected chats. The member of Congress whining about green... Oh, okay. Yeah, the member of Congress whining about holding... Green holding the AR-15. What?! All right, and we'll probably talk about that on Monday then. Shalaga just said he linked a story in the Discord. Pennsylvania neighbors fight over the snow. Two murders and a suicide. There's a video. It's freaking crazy. 
And that's going to be it for the day. So thank you guys for coming and hanging out with me throughout the week here. Thanks for uh, getting in here, getting your chats in, and raising the intellectual level of this uh, particular program here. It's always a pleasure to see you guys. It's always a pleasure to hang out with you guys. Tell a friend. Tell to excuse me. Tell ten friends, and make sure that we get on all the other platforms as well, because we want to try and grow this uh, show, grow this channel, and really take over on the news front. Because I mean, it's all corrupt, and all the mainstream news is going back to sleep. Look at HR one twenty seven. I mean, how long did I try to find an article about that? They don't want to report on anything more. They just want to keep this as the twenty four seven Trump network. And he, for the most part, except for a SAG-AFTRA letter, just wants to keep his fucking mouth shut and bang his supermodel wife. So, I want to cut through the bullshit. I want to come out and get you guys the news. By the way, I'm looking for an intro and possibly a different outro music for this program, too. So, if you know any musicians that want to throw a quick instrumental together, uh, have them DM me and see what we can work out there. So... We'll see what we can do with that as well, because I want to do a little bit more production on this as well. Get this uh, show a little bit better produced, especially now that I've got this nice, shiny new title card. And thanks again to Elaine for designing that for me. That's uh, that's really, really cool. I like that. And that really got the theme of the Johnny Walker bottle. That, uh, that was Jake's original inception for what that tried to be. So I really like the way that turned out. I'm really happy about that. And I want the rest of the production of this program to match that. So if you guys know anybody... I've got an idea on what I want to do. I just need to figure out somebody who wants to either donate time or get a little bit of cash for it and help out with that. Also looking for somebody to mix up a new version of the Stickerverse Symphony for the Red Net show as well because at some point, Jam and Sam Miller is going to figure out that I'm using his song and uh, I'm going to get that cease and desist letter at some point here. So hopefully we can get some of that uh, going with that as well. So we'll see what happens. Country music. Actually, that would probably, for contemporary, that would probably fit with a theme. So, we'll see what happens there. Only musician I know records country music. Is it uh, Is it the guy that does uh, the Redneck Patriot podcast? Because I know he's an Oklahoma guy, too. So, maybe. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, reach out to me. We'll figure that out here. i got to get up, get some food in me, and get off to work here. We will see you. I... Well, I don't have anything going on this weekend. I might just do a Q&A stream on Saturday. Uh, watch the Discord for uh, notes on that. I will make the decision by the end of tonight. Tonight, By the time I get done work, I'll decide whether or not I'm going to do that. So look for that. We might just have an Ed Talk this Saturday because I got nothing else going on. So hopefully we'll get to that as well. But otherwise, looking forward to seeing you back here on Monday for more Contemporary and Monday night for the Red Net Show, where we're going to talk all things impeachment, all things David Hogg, and all things, all the other stu Marjorie Taylor Greene. She is the new boogeyman for the left here, so look forward to that as well. Looking forward to seeing what Elaine has to say about that as well. So, we will see you guys then. Until then, I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary. <laughs>